So, when you think about your mom, I know that if we asked, we could come across, if I said, hey, uh, let's, let's give, share some memories about your mom, all right? Some of you perhaps would share very uh, warm memories. Some of you could tell things that were sad tragedies that happened in your mom's life. But uh, each of us would probably think of some things that are, are just this is what we identify. I know one thing, as I look back on my youth, the, the worst memory I have with my mom is at those times when the five of us kids made her cry. I mean, hey, do you ever feel, is there, are you ever feeling lower in life than when you made your mom come to tears? All right, this is the same woman I told you, I think a week ago, said she could yell at you and say, I'll hit you so hard you'll land on Oakton Street. Well, that was fine, okay, if we knew how to handle her anger, but when she went into tears because we were so overwhelming to her, then we knew we had crossed the line and the guilt and shame were, were horrific that, uh, that were there. And maybe, maybe your mom just happened to have had a great sense of humor. We have a mom in this group who has a great sense of humor right here this morning, and I just appreciate the freedom that she has given me because yesterday was Robin Dahl's birthday, and then I realized today we're looking at Mother's Day. So I sent her a text, and I said, birthday yesterday, Mother's Day today, you are all over this weekend, aren't you? She sent me a text and said, yep, it's my superpower. <laughs> and I thought, that is so much Robin Dahl. That is so much her humor to, uh, to express that. But what I appreciated more than her humor was the freedom she gave me. Because I knew things can get a little, you know, a little wonky time-wise. And she said, Gary, I'm here today, and I'm giving you one hour. And I thought, that was wonderful. All right, so I've got till 12.15. <laughs> By Robin's permission, she said she'd give me an hour. And I think I... C- I think I can get it done in an hour, all right? So I'm just feeling real good. We'll just kind of relax. We'll get it all taken care of. As we come to the book of 2 Thessalonians, I want us to begin by considering a scripture from 1 Thessalonians. And in 1 Thessalonians, and you won't see this on the board, uh, on the screen, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul described his entry among the people in Thessalonica. And when we say he has a very warm and a very caring relationship with them, you'll understand why. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he described his early connection with them. And um, I'm going to pick it up around about verse 6, if you open a Bible there and want to follow. He says, We did not seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. And his love for these people, he equated to a mom caring for her children. So he really cared for them. But I find myself saying, wow, when we see what he is expressing towards them now in the second chapter, remember, he was among them as a a nurturing mother. Um, I find myself saying, well, if Paul was this way, how much more the real moms? Are you with me? How much more a real mom? So that's how we're going to make this connection today. And I want us, if we would, to turn to uh, 2 Thessalonians now. 
We're going to look at three different passages. We're going to draw three quick instructions and 20 minutes per instruction. I'm good. I got it done in an hour. So, first thing, number one, from chapter one. And if you want to fill in your notes, go right ahead. Chapter one. We'll find it in verse four, but I want to give it to you right up front. Your mama wants to brag you up. Your mama wants to brag you up. That's what moms are like. Now notice, we pick it up in uh, chapter 1, verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. And he goes on to describe that um, there really is two things that are happening here. In the midst of your in the midst of your tribulations, in the midst of the persecutions that you are experiencing, there's an end game to this, if you will. And in the end there's going to be a separation. It's going to be understood to know who were the ones who embraced the things of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ and who those were who rejected it. But while this, is, while this is playing itself out in Thessalonica, they're suffering persecution. They're suffering tribulation. And notice three things that he identifies. He identifies in verse 3 that your faith grows exceedingly. Secondly, the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. The faith, the love that they have for one another... And these are the reasons, he says in verse 4, so that we're boasting of you. And then he says, for your patience. And then he adds faith in again in all your persecutions and tribulations. They're people characterized by faith, love, and patience. And what I'm thinking is happening, those things are working in concert one with another. They have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul has brought forth to them. They have believed that. By faith, they have received that. They have also understood that in the context in which they're trying to live this out and the fact that um, they're being confronted by others who don't want them to be embracing such a worldview, that there are, there is this tribulation that comes and they have learned that if we love one another... If we will care for one another, if we will support one another, and I think it's interesting how he says of all of you it abounds towards each of you. It's just like they were really characterized as a, as a church that loves. Think out of that, they strengthen one another so that they can then express the third thing he's proud of them for, their patience as they continue to walk in faith. Their patience, their ability to endure, their ability to put up with what is happening there because they're in the process of this thing, and we sang about it earlier, that there's an end to it. In fact, the men saying, you know, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. That's, that's got an end game to it. But he says you're able to withhold because of these three characteristics. And because of faith, love, and your endurance and tribulation, I boast of you. I tell the other churches, hey, this is what we're striving for here. What I notice about those things is those, those are things that moms, 
desire for their own children. So your mom wants you to win, okay? She wants, you, she wants to brag you up. She wants you to, to, to be somebody who is moving in a good direction. And one of the things she will brag you up for is character qualities. What is it you are demonstrating in your life? And if you are one who, uh, Joy Dell, talking about trust in the Lord uh, with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. That's the verse, right? Okay. If you're one living in that and your mom sees that you are a person of faith and she sees that that is producing love in you and she sees that by trusting God you're able to be patient in different circumstances and with all, and she's going to brag you up. She's going, to tell, she's going to tell her friends, she's going to tell her sisters and her brothers about how incredible you are because that's what she wants to do. I mean, what? Right? She just wants to be able to talk about how great her kids are. Proverbs, I'm going to try and put a proverb with each one of these. Proverbs 23, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. And your mom wants to rejoice in who you are, in where you're headed, in what you're doing. And when you show character and integrity, and faith in God, and it's real, so that it impacts how you live with love and endurance, she will brag about you. She will tell others about how incredible you are. So, that's number one. Your mama wants to brag you up. Number two, your mama wants you to play on the winning team. Now, you've, you've known that since you were little, okay? You've known that, hey, why did she come to your games? She wanted your team to win. She didn't cheer for your team to lose when she came to your games. If she happened to go to some of your, your solo and ensemble uh, contests, she was cheering for you to win, right? If you were in 4-H and you've got your stuff displayed there at the county fair, your mom's cheering for you to win. She's not cheering against you. She wants to see you go to state. She thinks that would be awesome for you to qualify to go to state, Because your mama wants you to play on the winning team. Now, as we get into chapter 2, notice what this means. This will be a little bit longer passage. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed in the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should not believe the lie 
that they should believe the lie, excuse me, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And then he says, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he had called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, friends, we've referenced it. There is an end that is going to take place. Now, as Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, they had some questions, and there are those who were confusing them as if Christ, you know, his, this day had come, and he's like, wait a second, hey, hang on. This thing is still playing itself out, and there's a particular order as to how it is. And right now, God is holding back the evil one and the full expression of what he will demonstrate in the end times, but there's going to come a time when God is going to, re, uh, going to withhold, remove himself from holding him back. The evil one will get, at the appropriate time, get full expression of what he wants to do, and then he's going to be defeated. The point being, there's going to be a winning team, and there's going to be a losing team. Plain and simple. And your mama wants you to play on the winning team. See, because he comes to the end here, he says, We're bound to give thanks, God, always for you, brethren, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. He's speaking to the Thessalonians, says, You're on the winning team. Play like you're on the winning team. Live like you're on the winning team. Understand the victory is yours. And therefore, you can continue to withstand the tribulations that are yours. But, friends, here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to get at. The day is going to come. It all shakes out. And when that day comes, your mama wants you on the, to be on the winning team. Now, the title of this message that I've given it is, if you'll notice, Things Your Mama Wants for You, Even If She Doesn't Understand Them Yet. Think about that. I wrote that because of my own mom. See, when my brother and I came home and started sharing the things of Jesus Christ with my family, they didn't get it at all. They didn't understand it and didn't know how to embrace what was going on. My mom has since gone on, and I believe she now gets it and wants us to be on the team, which we are on, playing on, all right? But she gets it. At some point, every mom will say, I want my children on that winning team, even if during this life or where they are at presently, they don't know how to say that. They don't know how to embrace it. Now, how do I know that, okay? I have a biblical reason for saying that. Jesus told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, the rich man who was on the losing team... He's begging for Lazarus, who's on the winning team, to dip his finger in some water, come over and, and just touch his tongue to give him some relief. And he's told, nope, there's a big gulf between you and him. See, during, during your earthly life, uh, you had all the riches, he had nothing. Now, things have reversed a little bit, and uh, he can't get across. And what does, the, what does the rich man say? He says, well, then send Lazarus back to my brother's. So they don't wind up where I'm at. And uh, Jesus said, 
No, even though we, he, Lazarus were to raise from the dead, they wouldn't believe it. But here's my point. Here's my point. There's going to come a time when your mama knows, you know what, I want all of my children to be on, this, on the winning team. She will understand there really is a winning and losing team. And we're praying for our moms, right? If they don't know Jesus, that, that they will be on the winning team themselves. But they're going to want you on the winning team. They are not going to want to go through all of eternity thinking somehow I didn't instruct my kids and God never got through to them. And to live with that. So your mama wants you on the winning team. In this realm as much as anything. So when we sang, when the trumpet of the Lord shall, time and shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the saints of earth shall go over, gather over on the other shore. When the roll is called up yonder, your mama wants you there. That's important to her. If she knows Jesus now, it's important to her now. And if she doesn't meet Jesus until later, it will be important to her then. But your mom wants you to be in a good place. All right, we began singing. Uh, Evan was introducing a, a good, a new song to us. Um, now I can't remember what. You will. How long, Lord? You will love. Yeah, some about defeating your enemy is over every evil thing. Okay, it's something in there. All right, but the question we sang was, "How long, oh Lord? How long? When is this going to come?" Because your mom wants for you. When it all shakes out, your mama wants you to be on the winning team, and she she knows that that. It'll be a sad day if you're not there. So I just want to remind you of that. And, and it's not to try and put a guilt trip on you. I want you to understand who your mama is. Because there's nobody going to desire good things for you more than your mama. Okay, third thing. Your mama wants you to do what's right. You know this, don't you? Your mama wants you to do what's right. Chapter 3, and this is going to lead us into our, uh, into our scripture memory verse for today, because it's something that we can just take readily with us, okay? In verses 6 to 8 to 9, he's discussing how when he was there among them, he, didn't, he did not expect to live off of his labors. That he also labored with his own hands. Paul was a tent maker. He labored with his own hands in order to provide food for himself so he didn't have to draw upon the, upon the labors of others. And he said he could have. He could have justified that, but he did not. He was setting an example. I want to pick it up in verse 10 of chapter 3. For even when you were, we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. Your mom understands that there's a certain responsibility that each of us has to take in life. We have to pick it up. We have to go with it. And if, if her children do not learn how to manage their own responsibility, if idleness is their way of life, if their desire is just, hey, we're just going to party down all the time and who cares about anything else and they're living off of others, your mama knows that's not a good thing and that you need to grow up and learn to take responsibility for your life. 
because your mom will want you to do what's right. And in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Your mama loves you. You don't want to be ashamed to your mama, do you? Because you've become idle and lazy and didn't decide you wanted to really pick up responsibilities in life. You know better than that. So if that speaks to you today, if you have a hard time getting it in gear and getting some work done and doing the things you need to be about, understand your mama's waiting for you to grow up and take on some responsibility and not to be weary in well-doing. Because it wears us out. Life wears us out. There's no two ways around it. But she knows this is, what you, this is what you need to do. So there it is. Some simple things to think about your mom. Your mama wants to brag you up. If you will be a person of character and integrity, she will. Your mama wants you to play on the winning team, meaning there's an end game here. And she wants to see you Get to glory with Jesus Christ. I forgot to give you Proverbs 10.30 for that. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. There, one way or the other, we're all going to wind up in one spot or the other. And she wants you to wind up with the righteous. Thirdly, your mama wants you to do what's right. Learn to take up some responsibility. Don't sit around living off of the work, the, uh, the labors of others, but be responsible and do not tire in that. All right. That's what your mama wants for you. All of it is good things because that's what moms are like. They want good things for their children, right? Moms, you want good things for your children. If you're a mom here today and you want good things for your children, raise your hand. Okay? There you are. 100%. There it is. 100%. So with that in mind, I want to leave you with this last little word. They all want what's good for you. Will you bless them today? Bless your mama today in some way. Father, thank you. For these moms with hearts that are so rich in love towards their children and desire such good things for them, pray that your grace will abound on their behalf today. In Jesus' name, amen.